Do you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain? I do. Welcome to the Uncluttered Office Podcast. Here I share what I've discovered from my challenges with ADHD and chemo brain. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design, and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat, and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive. A strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally unproductive. Hi everyone, Catherine Avery of ProductivityByDesign.com and your host of the Uncluttered Office podcast. I am very psyched because very recently I met David DeWitt and he is just brilliant on all things money and ADHD, even has his own podcast, which I think is called ADHD Money Talk. You can tell me I'm right or wrong. Correct. And he is a registered investment advisor and podcaster who helps adults with ADHD take back control of their money. He has been a registered investment advisor for six years, but it wasn't until he had his ADHD awakening in early 2021 that he realized he wanted to work with other people with ADHD. David knows from experience that effective personal finance when you have ADHD is hard. Whew, ain't that the truth? Even when you are a trained professional. After his ADHD awakening, he set out to build a financial planning model that works for ADHD brains, first testing it on himself. And now he's on a mission to help as many ADHDers as he can. Well, I am super excited because I'm an ADHD person who struggles with finances. (laughs) So how about we start with your story? How did you stumble across being ADHD at a far younger age than I got to? (laughs) Yeah, sure. And uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited. My story basically starts basically, you know, when I was really young, I think was the first signs that I even may have ADHD. Um, but it wasn't until high school where things started to fall apart, where my grades started to slip. I had some things go on where I like my best friend had left town. So I kind of went into high school sort of like very vulnerable to my ADHD that's been was sort of dormant because I'm of the inattentive type to sort of get the better of me. So you know, I always did well in school up until up until then. So my parents sent me off to get some some testing and all this stuff. And uh, sure enough, I was diagnosed with um, ADHD, and that was when I was 16 years old. But at the time, it wasn't all that important for me to even get that. It kind of felt actually more like something's wrong with me. Now I have ADHD, mm. and so I kind of felt like it was something that I had to sort of push down and and sort of try and pretend like I didn't have when I was out in the world. Right, right. That's not easy. And of course, as adults, we're kind of like, screw it, this is who we are. And so we're going to just be who we are, which I think is where you're at now. I mean, you're channeling your gifts and taking them to help other people, which is a fantastic thing. What got you into personal finance? Yeah. So 
basically my dad, he actually is the, he runs the company that I work under. And so I joined him about six years ago after starting off as a mutual fund accountant at a larger investment firm. And basically like, I didn't know I really wanted to do this. And for the first five years, I realized it was kind of hard being a financial advisor, um, managing other people's money. And and this was when also some more of my ADHD sort of pains came out because I was struggling to find new clients. You know, I was struggling to ask other people to hand me over their life savings so I could invest it for them. Meanwhile, I'd go home and I'd sort of make financial decisions that I would then later on regret because I had ADHD and I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, even though I was trained and I passed my regulatory exams and I I knew what what advice to give, but I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. And that was that became very very much a struggle for me the, and the imposter syndrome that came along with that. So then how could I sit in front of a new prospect and confidently say, you know, I can guide you. Meanwhile, internally, I'm saying you can't even guide yourself. So what are you doing? Do you know, I think it's important for people who don't have ADHD or new on the ADHD journey. A lot of what you were experiencing is inherently that brain-based challenge stuff. It is the executive function challenges we have as ADHDers just rearing their ugly head. And so, but we don't know that. Like, I don't mean it meanly, like in our heart of hearts, we don't realize like, oh, it's not that I'm lazy, stupid, crazy, inept, unable to do for others what I can't, you know, because I can't even do it for myself. It's that the executive functions prevent us from doing them. And it's, and that doesn't mean it's an excuse. It just means we got to be aware of it and then put lots of systems in place yeah. to help us manage the ADHD. Yeah. So let me let me rewind real quick. So I told you how I got diagnosed, but it wasn't until I had that awakening, like you mentioned in the opening, that I really came to appreciate or understand what had been going on in my brain and with my with my experiences. So it wasn't until early 2021 when I read Delivered from Distraction by Ned Hallowell. Mm. And when I read this book, I literally could have been like, delivered from delivering Dave from distraction. Like it was written for me. Like it was to me because the book completely blew my mind and made me realize that so many of the experiences I had had outside of just the reason why I initially got diagnosed was I was struggling in school. I needed to focus better. So it was way more than that. It was relationships. Right. It was how I just operate day to day. It was, it was so many things, sleeping, eating, you know, not being able to get anything done at all, being hyper-focused on something all day long that was not at all what I should have been doing, but you know, all these things that (laughs) had gone on in my life. And I was like, I put the pieces together and I was like, oh, okay. So now I can at least remove all the blame for myself and make it less of a moral issue and more of a, I have an actual legitimate neurodevelopmental disorder that has been a struggle. So I should actually be kind of proud of how far I've come in spite of that. So yes, giving yourself grace. I'm a big fan. Which is hard to do. And you have to yes. be very deliberate about giving yourself grace. Because if you don't, if you're not deliberate about it, then I think you'll just slip into your sort of, for me at least, I'm speaking only for myself, but my sort of, my base state is to be too hard on myself. Nice. So I have to have the systems in place to remind myself to pull myself out and be able to be nice to myself. Right, right. So I kind of alluded to some strategies that I use to what I call manage myself, but also manage my money. But you're the expert. So I'd love to hear maybe like, what are your top three 
money strategies to help ADHDers? Because for us, money is hard. It's hard for us to deal with. Yeah, sure. The first thing I always do with anyone who I'm talking to about, about starting off on a financial journey is determining why. Like, what's the point? What is your what is your statement of financial purpose? What do you want? What do you want your money to be able to do for you? Because it's it's more than just buying you things and helping you get to work and getting gas and all that kind of stuff. It's actually a, a life building tool that we touch every single day that helps us get more freedom, helps us get a house, have the space we want, build the family we want, give our family the freedom they want, help our kids go to college. It, it helps create realities 10 years down the line. And that's where ADHD people struggle is seeing 10 years down the line because it's hard enough to see three days ahead of us. And it's hard enough for us to remember anything from three days ago. <laughs> right. Because we're, we're so beaten up by the missed bills and the little minutiae details that are stressing us out that we can't clear that out and get our eyes downfield, so to speak. Like, What are we really even building towards? So the first thing you always want to do is I like to use a timeline and actually draw yourself doing things in the future. Like you want to retire, so draw yourself the age you want, and then just sort of do that so you can at least visualize. And by doing that, you'll sort of start to actually picture your like what I do is I like picture my body in the future, like operating day to day. Like, what do I want to do when I wake up? I want to go play golf. All right. Well, will I have enough money to do that? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe not not on this rate. At the, on this at this rate, so that's really important. So that at least when you start doing the the nitty gritty plans and what are we going to do, pay off the debt, you always have that very desirable future that you're building towards. Right, I love that, and I love how it's a real visualization. It helps ground us in that moment, and and like if you can look at future self, like a visual of that and have it say on your board, like a vision board, right? Kind of, mm-hmm. then you know. And then when you go to say, okay, I'm going to buy something on Amazon again. Oh, maybe I'm not because future me is going to be playing golf three days a week. Right. Right. And I said three days. You might want to work, play golf seven days, but I was just thinking in terms of, let's say it is that you have to continue working and you work beyond the time frame you want. It doesn't mean that you can't start to build some of those dreams into your life even now. A hundred percent. One thing you can ask yourself is, let's say you're in a lot of debt and you're stressed out about it. How would you talk to the prior you that got you in this situation? Mm. How do you feel about the prior you that got you in that situation? Like five years ago, younger Dave, why were you buying all this crap you did not need? I am not very happy with you, how you've put me in this position where now I'm, you know, feeling like I have to scramble a little bit to start saving for my daughter's college. I have to do all the stuff. So right. I remember, I'm remembering this feeling of discontent and unhappiness with prior me. And I want to say, I want to make future me, you know, proud of younger me, the me now. So what can I do today to make future me, you know, proud and happy? Because future you is still you, right? So if you want to play golf every day, you can. It just takes some actions today. Absolutely. And I can give a perfect example of this. Um, I was asking my husband about doing something. I can't remember what. And he said, you know, I just want to tell you when you ask me for money and when and I'm not asking him because I make my own money, but you know what I mean? Like that we're going to do something as a family with the family money. He said, and I say, we don't have it. It's because we're eating dinner out a lot. We're getting takeout a lot. 
And so we made a plan at the beginning of January. And it's this, out to dinner one night a week, takeout one night a week. That's it. That means five nights a week, whether I want to or not, I'm cooking. And I don't like it. But the fact is, future me has some dreams of the garden outside and and a trip. And the only way future me is going to get those things is if today me cooks the friggin' dinner. (laughs) Right, right. right. And by bringing it way in and saying we're only going to do this once a week, we tend to save them all for the weekend (laughs) so that I can really get a break from the kitchen. And then, you know, maybe Sunday evening, I do a whole bunch of cooking. But this weekend, we actually didn't do any takeout. So what we did was Friday night, we ate at the club in sort of a very casual kind of way. We, we belong to a very casual boating club and it's not super crazy expensive, which is great. And then we did a brunch with friends on Saturday morning. That was yeah. it. Everything else was home cooking. <laughs> and that's good because then you're only having dinner out less, which makes it more meaningful when you do do it. Right. Um, if you're going every single night, you have to ask yourself, well, am I doing this because I'm really enjoying this time with my husband or is it because I'm impulsively doing it or I'm not correctly you know, valuing you know, what I should be doing, that kind of stuff? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a great point. How about, how about ideas around budgeting since we're kind of already moving that direction by my little story? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, once, you, once you've sort of done that, that more foundational work, then it comes down to the hard part, which is the budget. And people, you know, the biggest problem I see with, especially with ADHD brains when it comes to budgeting is overcomplicating it. You know, mm. you, you get so into the process of budgeting that you set up your budget to be this perfect thing, but then it, when it goes to actually putting it in place, it's so convoluted and complicated that a month later, it's too much work to even stay up with. Right. So when you think of it, all a budget is, is how much am I making? And how much do I spend on you know, fixed expenses? How much do I want to save each month? And then it's a simple calculation of income minus how much I want to save plus how much I spend on fixed expenses equals a certain amount that's left over. And that's what you have to spend each month. So right. that's budgeting. So how are you going to spend that money? You have to look, go back and sort of go through your, your spending habits, You know, look at the credit card statement, really kind of let it sink in like, See like the Amazon five times in a row and say, do you need to do that? Find the places where you're overdoing it right. and just tell yourself you're going to stop. And once you go over this amount, you have to just stop spending money. So I think budgeting is that simple and how you want to do it, whether pen or paper, which is my preferred method to start because right. when you start off doing it that way, it's, it feels more real. Right. And by the way, I don't know if you know this, but our brains remember better when we write. There's a connection between the act of writing and the brain. Yeah, I, I cite that in my in my in my ebook that oh, it, nice. it it enhances uh, the neural encoding. Uh, right. So, and I say like, it's just for ADHD people. The more neural encoding, the better, because that is something that uh, lots of things that happen to me day to day don't get encoded in my brain. I forget it all. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, writing it down is huge, especially for the first couple months. Especially if you just write down, um, like what I did for two months was I wrote down every day I got home on my counter what I spent money on that day, mm-hmm. and I realized like halfway through the month my my note sheet was already like full, and I was like, "What? Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing so many transactions?" And it was just little stupid things that right. then and Add then up. you also and then you also see like, oh, 
20, 20, 20, 40, you know, it's like, oh, $300 on this? That's $300 I could have easily not spent. Right. It didn't add any value or anything. It, literally no value added to my life whatsoever. Didn't need to get Starbucks every single day. Right. Didn't need to go out for lunch every single day. If I just stop doing that for six, for six months, then I'm going to have you know, $3,000 plus in my savings account. Right. Boom. Don't you know that the Starbucks one is the biggie? I don't, nothing against Starbucks. I love their coffee, but I've had to learn that that's a treat. That's not a stop at Starbucks every time you drive by, because the fact is, is that it's, you know, I, dr- I know I'm going to drop six, $7 at Starbucks. And it was funny. Our, we put our teenager on a um, allowance and we really got hardcore about it when she started driving because of gas money. And she gets a good allowance. Don't get me wrong. But she said to me, and she gets it quarterly. And she said, here it is, you know, March 20th or so. And she's saying, I'm running out of money. And I said, well, you have a couple options. I'm looking at your savings account. You have some money you could transfer over. You have some cash. We could put that in, which is what we ended up doing. Or, you know, I could like fork you over a $100 loan towards your next quarter. But the minute we do that, that's $100 less you have next quarter. And so she's really having to watch. And I'm noticing she's not driving very many places. She's not ordering DoorDash. She's like, that's great. Bringing it in. And I said, you know, that's your, I'm going to tell you the first place I can see that you're spending too much money is with the ordering of food. And I get that it's super easy and you don't want to get in your car. And, And she made a very funny comment the other day. She said, well, I'm trying to save gas. And I said, yeah, but you're paying a fee for gas because right now DoorDash and all these places are charging a two or three dollar surcharge to cover gas. So I said, yeah, I don't think you would have spent that much in gas to get down to go pick this thing up. You know, it's an eye opener for it's something my parents did with me. I was on an allowance like this. My allowance covered my clothes, not just by gas and my fun. Hers covers gas and fun. And any beauty supply she wants outside of, say, your typical shampoo and conditioner and whatnot, right? So I don't mind buying that kind of stuff. But I'm looking at it and thinking, like, she's almost 17. She's going to go off to college. And I'd rather she have these eye-opening moments, these sort of possible mini failures with money before she goes to college and is by herself and suddenly stranded, not knowing what to do. Do you know what I mean? I totally know what you mean. A lot of times, you know, no matter how much you know, you read in a book, no matter what your knowledge level is, it requires the experience of failure to actually truly learn and to be Absolutely. able to put in the right uh, habits and practice. I mean, that that's just so common, and especially with like even in the investing. Sometimes for people, it takes them being way too risky and losing it all before oh. they realize that they're just they just need to do the traditional like stock thing, just buy the index fund kind of thing, you know, yeah. like. You know, so it's that's that's so true about and having those failures earlier in life is is huge. In fact, I wish I had more potential failures when I was in in high school to have learned from. It's interesting to say that. I mean, I grimaced when you said the bit about stock investing. I, for a while, I was trading my own stocks, and I had a stock that just kept going down and down. And first, I was loading up, getting more, and then you know, finally, I just sold it out pretty much at the bottom. And in retrospect, if I'd been thinking clearly, if I had asked somebody for some advice, what I could have done was move that stock into a different place, a different portfolio where I couldn't see it every day. And it could have just been out of the portfolio, no longer even 
something to consider, maybe more than say looking at it once every few weeks, right? And when you're looking at it every day, it's gnawing at you, right? And in red, so what happened was this stock, you know, it's going down, down and on two dollars or whatever. I end up selling it out around two dollars or something horrible from you know, 10 going on down. And it ultimately ended up going back up to about $10, $12. And I could have made a ton of money if I yep. could have just sat with it without touching it for five or six months. And that's, you know, so it's throwing good money after bad. And that yeah. was my big awakening. And that's when I said, you know what? I have no business trading my own stocks. I need someone else to do it. And I hired someone who's crackerjack, phenomenal at it and said, here, take my money and manage it because I can't be trusted with this. Yeah. Investing in individual stocks, especially is so hard. You know, it's funny, you know, as I've been uh, training for my, my CFP, what I learned was, and I used to like be obsessed with like stocks and trading stocks. And this is a whole different story, almost like for a whole different podcast. But the best analysts on Wall Street, stock analysts, they follow like 10 stocks. Right. That's all they have the bandwidth for. So why do people think that they can do their day job and also pick the best stocks? It's very, very hard. It's very, very hard. And you're it's usually just luck. So yeah, hiring a pro, hiring someone who who just lets the market do its thing is really is really uh, the lesson that a lot of people end up coming to after lots of mistakes. Right. I hear you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So we've talked about budgeting. We're starting to dabble a little bit in long-term investing. And you've talked about, you know, future self, having that vision. What other can what other sort of advice can you give us about as ADHDers how we can manage our money better? Yeah, sure. One thing that I love doing is so you're budgeting now, you're saving money towards towards goals. Where how are you saving and where are you saving is really important uh, to me. Mm. So one thing that I love having is rather than just having a savings account, is having multiple savings accounts. So with most modern banks, opening a new savings account is very simple. And then you can give it like a nickname. So if one of your goals is finishing the basement, just call it basement and then have your savings get automatically pulled from your checking account or even from your direct deposit. You can split it up directly into basement. So that way, rather than having like a, check, a savings account that's just like a blob of money, you're actually assigning purpose to all of your money. So all of your money has purpose no matter where you see it. So if you're in a crunch and you need you need money because something has happened and you go to the basement to take it, you at least have that tangible emotional feeling of I'm pulling out from something that's more that's more important. Well, maybe this is really important, but like maybe it's for some, you know, off the cuff vacation that you don't need to be going on. You're taking out from something that you've thought right. deeply about you want, so you may actually come to your senses and not do it. But if it's just from in a savings account that's just a blob of money, 
you know, you might not have that second to pause and really think about it. I think that's really great. And I know that at least from an entrepreneurial standpoint, Michael McAllowitz talks about that kind of thing in Profit First, where you have like five different accounts. I don't for my business. I have two. I have a savings and a checking. And the savings is really where I park the money in case I have to pay taxes. And also to start to save for the business in case an expense comes up and I really want to do it, like a coaching opportunity or whatever it might be, a class, a, a business trip to a conference that I've always wanted to attend. So I think that's really smart to have your savings accounts earmarked. And before we started, I started to tell you a story and I said, we, I'd hold it for the podcast. When I was in my late 20s, I had the opportunity to purchase an apartment in New York City. And I knew that bill paying was hard for me. So I just wasn't great at managing my money. It's not that I was blowing it on a whole bunch of crazy things, just wasn't my superpower to pay bills on time. Notoriously bad at that. And by the way, that's not unusual for ADHD. So I went to the bank and I worked in Wall Street at the time. So I get a bonus every year. So I went to the bank and I said, hey, I want to be able to know that I can pay my mortgage each month without me having to do a damn thing. (laughs) How do we set this up? And we literally created a separate savings account, exactly what you just said. And it was for the mortgage. I would get my annual bonus end of December, put it in the savings account. And then they had it set up. I don't know how they did it because back then you didn't have all, you know, we, we just started having computers, you know, from the dinosaur age. So we didn't really have yet this whole easy auto withdrawal kind of stuff. But they set it up so that every month my savings account just paid the mortgage. And then what I would do is that in December, I'd pay that extra like 13th mortgage payment so I could start getting ahead on it. So that was always really neat. Like I could take that first bonus money and the first thing I do is pay that 13th payment of the mortgage. And it really helped me as someone who has ADHD, when at the time undiagnosed, I never worried about the mortgage. I knew it was taken care of. I was on top of it. Obviously, I had all the other bills I was paying and you know, not a problem, but it was really great to take that stress off, you know, that I don't want to say take that responsibility off. I was still being responsible, oh, yeah, but I was 100%. being responsible by setting a system in place. Yeah. That that's allowed, the beauty of automatic that made payments. Sure I wasn't it really fail. is. It's the ADHD brain's best you know? friend. So I I mean, my personal favorite is, is to have two checking accounts and then savings accounts. So you have one checking account that's for your expenses, fixed expenses. Every month, what's dumped in there from your paycheck. So I, I love direct deposit. You can split it up. Have your fixed expenses dumped into that checking account. Have your savings for your goals that you've already predefined into your various savings accounts. Maybe you have like I have one that's for for holidays. So it's like ten dollars a month. Just put in just so that I have some head start in terms of that very unpredictable time of the season. Like there's already money there, so I don't have to worry about like oh gosh what's going on um, when it comes to Christmas time. And then have your spending money the leftover, like we talked about earlier, into your your other checking account. So you know when that account goes to zero, you're done. So that is your that's it. It's very clear cut. There's no right. You know, but when you have ADHD, it can be very the things get tangled in your head very easily. So keeping everything very clear cut, the work is all up front. And then once it's structured properly, you're good to let it kind of just go. David, you're gonna laugh. For the holidays, since our daughter was really little. We would tell her that Santa had a $300 budget. 
And a lot of our friends were like, why would you do that? You know, Santa's magical, Santa's this, Santa that. And I said, because I have to set a precedent for what's going to happen later when she starts wanting $300 gifts, because that's going to happen. And so, you know, did Santa spend 300? Sometimes Santa spent 400, but it was nice for us too, because we paid attention. Oh, look, we're coming up on this budget here. Are we really going to buy that last thing? that tips us over the budget. And sometimes the answer was yes. Sometimes the answer was no, but it was great. And now she sits down and makes her list for Christmas and she's got it all written out with the the dollar amounts and the budget and the whole nine yards. And I don't have to worry. Right. And, and it's not, it's sometimes she'll have something she wants. That's really expensive. Like she wanted a spectacular laptop and she was going to use it for school and also for gaming and graphic design and things like that. And I could say to my family, hey, want to contribute to the laptop fund <laughs> for Christmas? And that was what had happened. Everyone would sort of chip in or maybe if it was a more reasonably priced gift. I'll also say to her, like, on, these, on this list, Auntie wants to know what can she buy off your Christmas list? And then we would send it out to people and say, these are the things she wants. So it was really neat. She gets what she wants. We keep it in a budget. And it's just so much less stressful. Let's just bottom line it. You mentioned how, you know, sometimes you would go over. And, you know, that's not a big deal because, you know, you've already, you're in the habit of thinking ahead about things. And that's half the battle. So, you know, if you have money set aside or, or you have an idea that you want 300, then if you go to 400, okay, no big deal. It's when you have no plan and you spend 2000 is when things fall apart. That's that's what I was so worried yeah. about, David. I was like, oh, we're going to, this could yeah. get so ugly so fast. And and what would happen is gifts would be coming in and, and my husband would be picking things up and now I'm picking things up. And next thing you know, that's how we'd end up at 400 is because one of us would be picking up stuff and the other was picking up stuff. So we're trying to get better now about shopping together to make sure that we don't overdo it. But, you know. Yeah. I also didn't want her to be, this is the last thing on this, I promise. I also didn't want her to be the kid who got 50 presents and then she'd have friends who maybe got five. And I didn't want her to be the kid who got, so she got a lot of stuff, let me tell you, between the family members and whatnot. But I just didn't want it to go over the top. And some people said to me, well, what if you go over the 300? I said, well, some gifts can be from mom and dad. Right. Yeah. Let's say it's a trip and that's going to blow it out of the water, but we're all taking the trip. That's a gift from mom and dad. Easy button. Yeah, no doubt. I like keep it realistic. For sure. Yeah. So very interesting. Believe it or not, we're getting to that time. I would love to know. And maybe it's around money. Maybe it's not. What's one of your favorite productivity strategies? Sure. Um, yes. So I have a good one because so I took my CFP exam last Tuesday. And so I had been studying for, you know, six months straight. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah, it takes six weeks to figure out the results, which is crazy because it's on a computer. So I mean, they should know the results right away. But <laughs> what helped me a lot because studying is very hard for me. It's very hard for me to sit down and just do it. And it usually takes like 30 minutes for me to even like get into a rhythm where I'm going to end up staying there for a couple hours studying. It's so hard. So my favorite thing to do is I have an app for my phone called Stay Focused. And I just decide that I'm going to press the button and it just takes everything off my phone for 
as long as I want. So I'll do six hours straight. So I cannot use my phone and I can't, there's no way around it. I can't, if I turn my phone off back on, it's still there. Wow. Um, there's literally nothing I can do. So there's no distraction there. It even gets rid of notifications. So I can't see anything. Can you still, if you had a family emergency situation where your family member needed to get in touch with you, can you still get that? Yeah. So you can whitelist okay. apps that okay, you do want to be able to use. Um, but I don't, I used to like cheat and I would leave a couple apps and I realized I would just be, I'd be on like uh, on some app that I never would normally go on, but I would just even, I would just do it and just like distract myself. So I was like, nothing, just phone, just phone. That's all I can do. Um, and then I do the same thing on my computer. You know, there's a bunch of them, but there's an add in on Chrome called, I think it's actually called stay focused too. And I just like, boom, can't do anything. Right. And that Very way, smart. and then I go to a library. So then I have no way out. I am studying. Right. I have nothing for me to do. I'm not going to go pick up a book and start reading it. I'm going to study. That's how I was with studying. Absolutely. Yeah. So I set up my, my environment so that there's nothing. I get the impulse to go to my phone and I quickly realize I can't. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'll just keep reading this page. So nice. that's it. I love it. That's really smart. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's amazing. All right. How can people find you? Yeah, sure. So the best way to basically you know, get in touch with me is through uh, www.adhdmoneytalk.com. That is the website for my podcast. Um, and it links out to like my, my landing page for my, my planning service. And you can ask a question to be on the podcast. You can, you get, you can find me social media from there, everything. So that's the place to go. Fantastic. I love it. It's great when we have one centralized location for our ADHD brains, right? That's right. That's right. Thanks so much for being on. This was fantastic. I learned a ton. I'm sure our listeners have too. Looking forward to getting you back on at some point. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you. That was a blast. It was great. Thank you so much. Does any of this sound like you? You're an overwhelmed professional. You just want to control your busy schedule. You're feeling stuck and unfocused. You can't seem to get all the things done on your to-do list. You're always late for meetings, also for those deadlines. You have a brain with 50 tabs open at any given time. And once again, you can't find the damn car keys. But you're ready for massive accountability and to take action on your goals. They've heard me talk on the podcast about my client results. And I want to let you know that for the first time, I'm opening my doors to the exponentially productive group. So far, this group has only been available to my VIP one-on-one coaching clients. But that's about to change. Because I've discovered that a lot of people out there are looking for the kind of results that my clients are, and maybe they're just not ready for one-on-one coaching. So what's included in the Exponentially Productive Group? There are three productivity power hours each week. You heard me talk about those on the podcast. There is accountability through coaching app that I'm using. We have quarterly group planning sessions, a monthly open office hour and a monthly coaching session with me. This month only, March, in honor of March Madness, this series that you're listening to now, I'm offering this program for only $127 a month. On April 1st, it will increase in price. You can find more details about the Exponentially Productive Group at productivitybydesign.wishpondpages.com backslash exponentially productive group. The link will also be in the show notes. I would love to see you there. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I'll see you next week. 
you've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and www.productivitybydesign.com. I'm your host, Katherine Avery. If you like what you've heard, please share this episode with someone you think needs it. I would love for you to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews make my heart sing and can help even more people find the gifts in their productivity challenges. Thanks for listening and see you next week. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.